best thing for us to sow into anyone's life is the gospel, okay? The, the word of the Lord, when it's sown, it will always bear fruit. You might not see it straight away, but it will bear fruit because his word never falls to the ground. So let's go. Mark 16. If you've got your Bibles, if you've got paper Bibles, get it out. We're going to be in it. Otherwise, Kevin is going to do an amazing job. Everyone give Kevin a clap. Yay. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Where would we be without you? Jesus was speaking to them and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Whoa. There's power when we preach the gospel. Believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. There's power. It says, um, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That word saved in the Greek is sozo, which means delivered, protected, healed, preserved, kept safe and sound, made whole. It's not just talking about this future expectation of glory being in heaven. It's talking about a change in your life right now. Who wants some of that? Delivered, protected, healed, preserved, kept safe and sound, made whole. Who wants a piece of that? Yeah, me. That's your inheritance when you've been saved, right? Praise God. Let's flick over. We've got baptisms today. It's been a while since we've talked about baptisms. So I'm going to talk about baptism. Because it's a powerful it's a powerful transaction in the spirit. And do you know what? Is anyone here believing that we're going to see a move of God in Darwin? There's a few. Should I ask again? Is there anyone believing that we're going to see a move of God in Darwin? Yes, praise God. If a hundred people, just a hundred, we'll play it really like low-key. If a hundred people got saved today, that's too many for me to chase up, right? That means that all of you would be busy. All of you could take one or two, right? And we could get them baptized and we could teach them the gospel, right? That's only 100. What if 1,000 got saved? What if 5,000 got saved, right? We need to make sure we know what we're talking about. We need to make sure we know what we believe so that we can teach others. So you may have heard this before, but you need to take notes. It's like, how would I communicate this to another person, right? Because you're going to need to. I'm speaking that in faith. We're going to need all of you making disciples. Praise God. So baptism, what is it? Romans 6, let's go there. Paul's writing to the Romans. 
And he's got a bunch of um, Gentiles, Gentile believers and a bunch of uh, Jews that are believers. And so at the beginning of Romans, you can see that sometimes he's talking to the Gentile believers. Sometimes he's talking to the, to the Jewish believers. But right now he's talking to all of them and he's talking to us too. And he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Certainly not, one translation says. No, how can we who died to sin live, still live in it? Paul is saying, man, if you've been, if, if you've given your life to Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, the grace of God is not upon you so that you can keep on sinning and keep getting forgiven. The grace of God comes upon your life to empower you to live free from sin. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, absolutely not. If you're a believer... Oh, this is strong. If you're a believer and you're in continuous sin, something is wrong. That should not be the case. Because Jesus came to set us free from the dominion of sin. Right? So if you find that you're partnering with sin for whatever reason right? There's something, but uh, there's just a truth that you're not seeing. There's something you haven't understood about God and about the gospel because Jesus came to set you free from sin, right? How, verse 2, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Huh. When you get baptized, this is not just symbolism. This is a powerful spiritual reality that is taking place. You are being baptized into the death of Jesus. It's a coffin. That pool that you get baptized in, it's a coffin. It's where you go to die. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. What are you called to do as a believer? Walk in newness of life. You know, all of those scriptures start flowing into my mind. It's like Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? I have been crucified. I'm not alive for me anymore. That's a game changer. 
the invitation is that we would walk in newness of life. 2 Corinthians 5.17. What does it say? If anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. What's passed away? My old way of living, my old way of being, my old sinful nature, my old way of thinking, my old attitudes. The things I grew up thinking because I was trained by sin, that all dies and there's a new creation. That's the invitation for the Christian, new creation. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Oh, what a promise. You go into the water. Your sinful nature is crucified and you come up brand new brand new, resurrected, to look just like Jesus. He puts his spirit inside of you. He makes you one spirit with the Lord, right? Ah, oh, this is good news. You guys are quiet. When I read this, it makes my it makes my heart get fiery. It makes me remember, oh my gosh, the gospel is good news. It is such good news. We know that our old self was crucified with him. Everyone say crucified. In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Huh. Verse 7, for the one who has died has been set free from sin. Amen. Come on. We haven't even finished reading. But if you'll notice, there's 15 references to death, to dying. If you're going to say yes to Jesus, something dies. And, and some of the problem that we have in the church is because believers are still living for themselves. They haven't actually considered themselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. They're still living for them. They haven't crucified themselves. You know, like... It's a weighty invitation. Jesus is like, count the cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. It will cost you your life. You no longer get to call the shots of how you want to live. It's no longer about your preferences. And that's hard. Because, man, we've all got preferences. But it's no longer about my preference. It's about what he says because he's the Lord of my life. He's the one to, whom I submit to. 
We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. What are you a slave to? That word slave, it means to be in bondage to, in chains. What's your master? Is it sin or is it the Lord? In my life, I, <clears throat> I was baptized as a 12-year-old, a hungry 12-year-old. I wanted, like, I wanted God. And I remember being baptized at a, a conference thingy, and it was near a lake, so we went down into the lake. And the pastor was like, why do you want to be baptized? And I was like, because I want to please God, just... It was like the purity of a 12-year-old. I wanted to know God. I wanted to please him. And so I was baptized that day. But I was never taught this. I was never actually taught that I was like being crucified with Christ and that my old nature would die and that I would be raised to life and filled with God's spirit and I'd become his ambassador on the earth. And so... Um, you know, I had access to a Bible, so I should have read my Bible. But I didn't, obviously. I definitely didn't read this. I didn't understand. And so um, I found myself years and years later, one of the most miserable Christians on the planet. Miserable. I was, I was still a slave to sin, but I felt guilty all the time. I was riddled with guilt because I knew what was right. I knew, you know, I genuinely still loved God. I loved him and I knew what was right and wrong, but I kept falling into sin. I kept giving myself to things that... No Christian ever should. And I remember screaming at the Lord one day, God, I don't get it. I can't walk away from you because I know you're real, but I am frustrated. And this life that I'm living is not what I read in the Bible. My life does not look like Jesus. And I feel like a hypocrite. And I'm guilty all the time. That's how I felt. And I was like, you've got to show me. You've got to teach me. I just cried out to the Lord for understanding. And you know what? Boom. Man, if you seek him, you'll find him. If you ask, if you knock on the door, he'll open your eyes. So he began to teach me. He taught me. I found Romans 6 all of a sudden. I found Romans 6 and I was like, oh my gosh. Why didn't anyone tell me this? 
Why didn't anyone tell me that I had to die to live? Why didn't anyone tell me that when I made Jesus my Lord, it meant that he became my supreme controller, my master, the person to whom I belong? No one told me that. I had an encounter with God, an encounter with truth that completely changed my life. And then for, for a good month, I floated around on this gospel bubble. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I'm free from sin. This gospel is amazing. I've got no problems. Hang on a sec. This is the same girl that like... A week ago was like, I'm the most miserable person in the world. Did God just wave a magic wand and change all my circumstances? No. He set me free from myself. He set me free. I was like, I felt so free. And I floated around for a good month in this gospel bubble, every day waking up saying, Thank you, God. I am yours. I'm a brand new creation. You're inside of me. I'm one spirit with you. I can hear your voice. I can behold your face in righteousness. This is how I talk to the Lord. Ah, oh, and it was glorious. And all of the same problems were going on. I had little kids. I had a husband that's not a believer. You know, all of the hectic things are going on. But I'm just like, I'm not alive for myself. I'm alive for him. And then one day, the gospel bubble got popped. I had a choice to make. Am I going to actually walk in the truth, believe the truth, and actually walk free from sin? Or am I going to go with what I feel in the moment? So for that month, I actually wasn't tempted by sin I felt like I was living on a cloud, floating around, in love with Jesus, encountering him. It was amazing. And then one day my husband gets home. He's such a hard worker, my husband. He's such a hard worker. And he had been working crazy hours. <clears throat> and he <clears throat> came home. He'd been working for like probably a 14 and 15 hour day, big day. And I was at the end of my rope with small children. So any mamas in the house know what it's like when you've just had little kids all day pulling at you and tantrums and all of the things that happen, right? And so that was my day. And so he gets home and I was just like, thank you, God. Extra hands on board. He gets home and he's like, oh, I'm actually going out for, for some drinks with the boys and we're just going to have a lovely time. And I was chopping carrots in the kitchen. I was like, chop, chop, chop. And all of a sudden, boom, the, a pin was in my gospel bubble and I came crashing down to the ground. I am chopping those carrots and I am angry for the first time in a month. 
I'm feeling anger. I'm thinking anger. I was beyond angry. I started to think, you know, along the lines of how dare you? How dare you? I'm here all day looking after these kids, loving our family, doing all the things that I have to do, and you have the audacity, this is what's going through my head, to come home and be so selfish. You are so, this is what's going on in my mind, right? You are so selfish. This is not fair. I'm chopping the carrots. and I'm getting crankier and crankier as I chop, chop, chop. And I'm like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to stab him. Like, seriously, I was so riled up. And then the Holy Spirit spoke. And he said, Naomi, it's lucky you're not alive for you, isn't it? Boom. And I had a choice to make. Was I, was I going to leave that old man dead? Or was I going to resurrect the old man, partner with sin, probably end up in jail because I've stabbed my husband? <laughs> no, I wouldn't have stabbed him. I wasn't that bad. But I was pretty cranky. <laughs> Man, the Holy Spirit, he empowers the truth in your life. Because I'd been feeding myself with actual truth, he empowered me in that moment to live free from sin. What had, what had happened? Was sin back on the inside? Was my old man resurrected? No. Sin was crouching at my door, seeking whom it might devour, right? But what does Genesis 4 verse 7, 7 I think, 6 or 7, it says, but you must rule over it. It was on the outside trying to get in, trying to partner with me. Hey, Naomi, you should be angry. This isn't fair, right? Now, if I'm living for myself, I take that. I take that lie and I run with it. And I'm like, no, that's right. It's not fair. But man, there's a higher way. There's a better way. When we submit to the Lordship of Jesus, man, his ways are not our ways. So to finish that story off, the Holy Spirit spoke, and I, I was like, yes, of course, not alive for me. Put my knife down, and I looked at my husband, and I said, you have a great time. Now, he was like, he was, he was bracing himself for the onslaught that he was about to get, and he was like, what the heck has happened to her? So off he goes. And I just had an awesome night in the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord just covered me. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, my peace, my joy is not dependent on what others do or don't do. Because they're not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. 
because I'm not alive for me, I'm alive for him. So you squeeze me, baby, because you're going to get Jesus coming out. You're going to be getting the love of God coming out. You're going to be getting, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You squeeze me because Jesus is going to come out. Right? Man, this is the gospel. This is what we need to get hold of as believers. This is why we baptize. It's like you die to that thing. You die to that old sinful nature. You, you actually die to having rights. Huh. And at least you're so free. Never been more free. Praise God. For the one who had died, oh, where are we? Verse 7, has been set free from sin. There it is. It's not talking about dying when you die at the end of your earthly life. It's talking about dying in the waters of baptism. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Oh, what an invitation. That's who we are. We get to live our life unto God. So you also must consider yourselves, what? Dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think I'm adding words there. I think I remember it in a different translation, and I've got the ESV here today. <clears throat> oh, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider yourself dead to sin. Uh, the New King James Version, that word consider is actually reckon. And the word reckon means take inventory of your life. Take an inventory. What do my thoughts look like now if I'm dead to sin? You know those silly conversations, the fake ones that we'll have in our head when we're upset with someone? Any, anyone done that before, right? You're dead to that. That's not who you are. Jesus isn't walking around with those conversations going along in his head, right? What's Jesus thinking about? He's like, oh, God, you love that person. They're nailing him to a tree, and he's like, forgive them, Lord. They, they have no idea what they're doing. Usually when people do something wrong to us, it's because they've forgotten who they are. Take an inventory of your life. So it's not just your thoughts. What does it look like for my time? How do I spend my time, Lord, if I'm dead to sin? 
and alive unto God? What does it look like for my finances? What does it look like for the things that I do? For the movies I watch? For the people I hang out with? What does it look like? You know, these are conversations that you have with the Lord. Like, that's your homework. Go home, have those conversations. It's not just a one-time conversation. It's an ongoing conversation with the Lord because as he grows you up in maturity, you know, he starts to teach you like Paul says. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And we're actually heading, I feel, as a body into a season where the Lord's like, I want to pour out my glory upon my people He won't share it with you if you are giving yourselves to things that aren't holy. If you want to carry the glory of God, there's a cost to that. There are things that you just won't touch or do. And that's a conversation for you and the Lord. It's not for me to tell you, don't watch this, don't do that. It's, it's you and the Holy Spirit working that out together, Right? Take inventory. Be a glory carrier. Come on. Where are we up to? Verse 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Are they your your passions? No. No. They're not your passions. It's passions. Sin, it's an entity. It's separate from you now. It's being crucified in the pool. The devil's a jerk, so he's going to be firing the fiery arrows at you. He's still going to tempt you. It'll come as thoughts. It'll come as feelings. Hold your shield up. That's not who I am. You just don't, you're like, that's not who I am. The more you see this, the more you walk in it, you're like, oh my gosh. It becomes laughable, the things that he'll throw at you. All he needs from you is agreement, and then all of a sudden he's got a stronghold in your life because you've agreed with a lie. Stop agreeing with lies. It's not who you are. What are you? The righteousness of God in Christ. What are you? Holy, blameless, and above reproach in the sight of God. Why does this matter? Why am I yelling? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Because I feel the fire of God. Why does this matter? Because if you're holy, blameless, and above reproach, you have access into the presence of God. And when you, when you start to know God, when you're in his presence, that's where he transforms you, in his presence. When you're hanging out with the Lord, when you're gazing upon his face, when you're sitting in his glory and in his presence, the last thing you're thinking about is, how can I get away with doing something that shouldn't be doing? It's quite the, uh, it's such a joke, isn't it? It's like, oh my gosh, you are so holy. What else can I get rid of? 
What else am I holding on to? Because I want to get as close to you as I can in this life. The further, you know, the closer you get, the less you can take with you. Come on. It's intimacy with God that keeps you free from sin. It's relationship with him. Do not present your members to sin as as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion. Someone say, no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Oh, my goodness. It sounds like we have a choice of who we give ourselves to. You have a choice, even as a believer. Am I going to give myself to sin? Am I going to give myself to righteousness? You get a choice. Thanks be to God. Praise God. Man, don't resurrect that old man. Keep him dead. Keep him dead. Man, so when we baptize someone, it's like, it's almost like we need to be like, do you understand? You are dying right now. You are dying to your old way of being, your old way of thinking. You're dying to everything that you've never meant to be in the first place. And you're being raised in the newness of Christ. You're being raised, one spirit with the Lord. You're being raised in his likeness. You look, you look good as a brand new creation. You look good, righteous. Man, this is the gospel. This is what sets people free. It'll set you free if you let it. Oh, I'm just deciding. We'll flick over to Colossians very quickly. Colossians 3. If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. This, this is talking about the new creation. This is how they live. This is what it looks like. Oh, here it is again. For you have what? died and your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life appears then you will also appear with him in glory what does it look like to live unto Christ 
to choose to leave your old man dead. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Oh, someone say praise God. Hallelujah. Put it off. You get to put it off, all of that stuff. And when you're walking through life and you, you get tempted with anything, man, I feel it straight away. That is not who I am. If I partner with that, I feel it on the inside. Why? Because I'm pure. Because the Lord's cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Because it's not compatible with who I am now. That's why you feel guilty. Right? And what's the Holy Spirit doing? He's waving his red flag. He's like, that is not who you are. You are righteous. Don't partner with that. The Holy Spirit, his job, he convicts the world of sin, of believers of their righteousness. Right? The Holy Spirit doesn't make you feel guilty. He'll convict you and he'll be like, that's not who you are. Come on. Put on the new man. Keep that one dead. Pick up the new. Walk in the light. Ah, Put on then, verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Oh, doesn't that sound like a good way to live? That's who we are. Hallelujah. It's good news. It's good news. This is the gospel. This is why he shed his blood. He didn't leave you stuck in sin. He ripped that thing away from you. He got the knife out and he circumcised your heart so that you could know him. It's powerful. 